everybody, and welcome to another episode of Season 2 of Cohort W. I am your host, USWAC faculty member and current Warren Officer Historical Foundation Fellow, CW5 Leonard Mominy. Today's episode is a break from the norm, as we will be exploring the leadership of a senior Warren officer that has left the ranks of current military service. It has long been said that a soldier is a soldier for life. That means that a soldier for life will remain a leader as well. Today's guest models the concept of being a soldier and leader for life. Since retired, senior warrant officer continues to serve the cohort, the country, and even Army history as a whole. His mentorship and insight remains highly sought after, even though the senior warrant officer left the military behind just a few years ago. The conversation, as with all other guests, will be directed at leadership and the necessary continued service to community, Army, and the country, even after departing uniform service. We will talk about this incredible leader's current and continuing work and learn about how the Army and his time as a warrant officer inspired such tremendous continued service. So, Without further ado, uh, can you please share with the audience a little bit about yourself? First, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm very happy to do this. My name is Jim Stedham. I am a retired Chief Warrant Officer 5. Uh, I was a member of the United States Army JAG Corps uh, for the last 30-some years of, of my military service. I joined the Army in 1987 and retired in 2019. Uh, and I have very much enjoyed my military service, and I continue to serve as now a, an Army civilian. All right. There it is. The veil and mystery have been removed, and uh, we've just introduced uh a dear friend and mentor of mine from the Career College. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for being on the show. It's my great pleasure to be here with you. All right, sir. Uh, can you please tell us, uh, you know, what, what your MOS was specifically, um, maybe your branch and how you came into that branch and uh, something about uh, your more formative assignments? I was a member of the United States Army JAG Corps. Uh, when I enlisted in the active component, I became a 71 Delta. And back then, that was a legal specialist. And I served at various echelons, um, primarily at the battalion level and uh, one or two assignments at the division level. Uh, I was assigned to 101st Airborne Division and 4th Infantry Division. While I was assigned to 4th Infantry Division, I applied for and was selected uh, to be a JAG Corps warrant officer, MOS, uh, then uh, 550 Alpha. Uh, during my first assignment as a warrant officer at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, that MOS changed to 270 Alpha. Uh, from that time on, I served at, well, Fort Leavenworth, my first assignment, um, the Army JAG School, where I served as the first proponent warrant officer as a CW2 uh, under the uh, technical supervision of CW5 Sharon Swartworth. Oh, wow. I went to U.S. Army Alaska, went to 2nd Infantry Division in Korea, uh, U.S. Forces Afghanistan, Fort Rucker. Well, since I know a little something about you, I would like to hone in on uh, two particular assignments that you uh, happen to uh, recall there. First, what was it like as a wo one going to Fort Leavenworth for your initial assignment. Uh, there's a lot of stories about Fort Leavenworth. So, you know, it's a very officer-centric uh, installation, a three-star headquarters, 
the, the combined arm center and um, but it's also very popularly known for its uh, the United States disciplinary barracks, which we had a big part in and um, supporting. Uh, but as a brand new W1 and only the second W1 in probably a decade, uh, and the first one was very good. His name was Jeff Martin. Everybody loved Jeff Martin. During my first three or four months, if somebody asked me a question and I looked, I had that quizzical look on my face, they would say, just say, oh, don't worry, we'll just call Jeff. And uh, so I had very big shoes to fill. Uh, but at the end of my, my two years there, I developed lifelong friends, uh, military and civilian, and still maintain those contacts today. It just, it's just a tremendous learning experience uh, coming from that. Uh, from that. But it was also a difficult experience in an installation that really did not understand warrant officers. To, back then, it was the, the CAS Cube course and, of course, uh, the Command and General Staff Officers course. And so being a W-1 in housing on Fort Leavenworth uh, sometimes created a little confusion for the garrison staff. They didn't know how to, <laughs> how to treat us or where to put us. And when school was not in session, you know, they shut down to, you know, shut down services, not realizing, the, you know, that the warrant officer in housing didn't leave like all <laughs> the other uh, officers and housing. So, yeah. and we didn't know what to do either. We were really very new at that. So, well, and, and you know, what's fantastic about that. It, it shows the, uh, and speaks to that key trait and competency that every warrant officer has to have. And that that's the ability to integrate regardless yeah. of the location. So right. it sounds like you did that. And so, it was a foundational assignment. And I, I, I really did learn a lot from it and look back on it often. Boy, I know we could touch on the Afghanistan assignment, but something that's always so interesting for all the other warrants when they talk to a JAG warrant is, uh, could you tell us what life was like on your assignment in the Pentagon? Yes. So the Pentagon is a wonderful place to visit. Uh, my very last assignment in the Army uh, was four years at the Pentagon. I served as the chief warrant officer of the JAG Corps. Um, and for a small branch of only 200 people in all three components, uh, that included the role of the regimental warrant officer, the proponent warrant officer, and then, of course, the, the branch warrant officer. So I served as like the senior assignments person, and uh, I worked on doctrine and education uh, for the entire branch in, or at the warrant officer cohort of the branch. Uh, so it was exciting. Uh, it was rewarding uh, working at the three-star level in the Pentagon, which is unique uh, because most branches are at their center in school. And uh, because the JAG, the JAG Corps is not a TRADOC center in school, uh, it's a special branch. It's, main, uh, it's managed by the Judge Advocate General, which is a three-star staff officer of the Chief of Staff of the Army. Uh, so I served in that capacity as you know, a, a senior advisor to the Judge Advocate General. And I had an additional duty as the Chief Knowledge Officer of the United States Army JAG Corps. I can only imagine what it was like to walk into those halls. I, I, I've never visited, and uh, I've heard that it can be quite complex to navigate. It can be. I was fortunate enough to have a CW2 
uh, Rob Harshbarger, great friend. He was my executive officer. That was his title at the time. And what he did for me was walk me around everywhere. He showed me where everything was and kept me on track, kept me on time. And, you know, we would walk to the gym together. But after about two weeks, I was like, you know, I've, I've got to do this on my own at some point. So one night I, um, <laughs> I decided I was going to go to the gym on my own and didn't have an escort and got lost. And not only did I get lost, but I got locked into a room that I couldn't get out of. Oh, no. Uh, yes. And it was uh, so it was kind of after hours. There weren't a lot of people around. There was no cell service, of course. It was really hot. And um, yeah, I started to panic a little bit. Uh, I ev- eventually found a like a wall phone, like an elevator phone called the Pentagon Police Force for help. They located me, escorted me out of the building um, in somewhat humiliating fashion in full battle rattle and, you know, confiscated my ID card, had to do an incident report. And needless to say, I never went to the gym inside the Pentagon again. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. A a warrant officer being escorted out of the Pentagon. But I'm certain other people have shared in that same situation from our cohort. I hope so. (laughs) I mean, obviously, uh, with things culminating as uh, serving as a chief warrant officer of the Corps, CWAP, you you left the Army, and I believe you said it was uh, around 2019. So where's life taken you since leaving the active duty roles? So before I went to the Pentagon, I was assigned to the Warrant Officer Career College. And that's where I was selected for promotion and then immediately signed as a W-5 to, uh, you know, one of our only three places for active duty W-5s. After my four-year tenure, my family had kind of grew roots in Enterprise uh, around Fort Rucker, and my kids started having kids. And so that's why I came back to Fort Rucker to be around grandchildren, Uh, not to mention that the the fact that we just enjoyed the Fort Rucker community, uh, Enterprise, Ozark, Daleville area is, is a very military-friendly area. Um, so it was just a natural progression to come back. The Judge Advocate General that hired me as the Seawalk um, told me right before I retired that if I could, I should take six months off. You know, just enjoy life. Don't worry about a job if you know if you can afford it, that kind of thing. And um, I was able to do that for about three months and just enjoy being home, getting out of the mindset I had to check email every day and just you know figuring out what's next. And I think that was probably the most beneficial piece of advice uh, that I'd ever gotten. You know, having known you. You did not stay uh, stationary too long. You started to get involved uh, shortly after retiring into a a lot of different other organizations. Can you share with us a a little bit about those different agencies you became involved with once you left the military? So when I was here the first time at Fort Rucker, uh, I got involved with the Veterans of Foreign Wars, the Enterprise Post, and I, several friends, you know, so I got re-involved in that as soon as I got back, one night a month, that kind of thing. It was not a big deal. Um, but one of my friends who was in the Post uh, asked me to go to lunch with him and another guy. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, uh, little did I know it was a job interview. A local uh, business owner, Barry Moore, 
who was running for U.S. House of Representatives. And I've known him, you know, his kids went to school with my kids. I mean, we know him in the community, uh, but I didn't know him personally. Bought my lunch and asked me a few questions and said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, well, okay. And so um, he hired me to be uh, like a logistician or and a veteran liaison for his campaign. And I worked for him through a runoff from September of 2019 to about March of 2020. Great experience. I learned a lot. I met a lot of great people. And I feel like I contributed towards his success, winning the nomination and then ultimately winning the election. Um, I left his campaign, though, when I got offered a job as a contractor back at Fort Rucker in my old department at the Career College. And I, I couldn't just pass. I just couldn't pass it up because it was it was a great team, good people and um kind of back to my roots, you know, forming the foundational warrant officers and uh, and teaching PME uh, to senior warrant officers. So obviously you got involved uh, as a, a volunteer with that campaign, and then you got back into the college, but where did back you find time to go deeper with the VFW and uh, our very own USAWOA, the United States Army Warrant Officer Association? Right. So I was always a member of USAWOA too. I mean, I don't remember when I joined. It's just kind of one of those things. Uh, so I got more involved, um, became a membership officer of the local chapter. And then I was also elected into a position at the VFW as their quartermaster adjutant, which is basically being like a legal administrator of an organization, uh, just taking care of the business side of it. The War Officer Association didn't take quite as much time, but I also joined the American Legion and the Disabled American Veterans and other things in the community. And I, I wanted to just you know serve all those things I really couldn't do on active duty. Uh, but I quickly found that I was doing too much. So I had to scale it back for my own sanity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, maybe I feel like I still got to get it in while I can. I don't know, but I'm, I'm fully committed to the VFW. Uh, helping veterans is something that I will always, always try to do as long as I can. We owe it to our veterans to do that. Uh, most of the veterans that we serve locally are Vietnam era. Most of them are Vietnam combat veterans. Obviously, you're, you're pretty passionate about serving those veterans. How, how does this service contribute to the sense of community at large? I think it does here. I think there's a big sense of service here in this area. And I think you'll probably find that in the immediate area of all Army installations, whether it's a warrant officer, NCO, or O-grade. But in this area specifically, there is a huge sense of pride and commitment towards veterans and the community. It's a it's like a veteran community here. So being somebody that's or or at least tries to be a, a selfless servant or or just a servant, this is a great location for it. Well, I think you do that well. I know that VFW and their service to the community goes beyond simply being there for the veterans. And uh, I, I've got to ask you, what's your favorite part about serving after leaving active duty? It's uh, it's not having the restrictions, I think. Uh, you know, the grass is always greener kind of concept. We have a lot of maneuver space to do the things that we need to do for the people that need it. Uh, if somebody needs an electric bill paid, 
we can pay it and we don't have to give them a class. You know, we don't have to counsel them. <laughs> we can just do it. And then we can provide mentorship and we can provide just brotherhood or sisterhood to, you know, people that we have this common bond with. And it's, it just feels good. It's not just your, your volunteer service and, and service to the community. You are still actively sought out by the judge advocate core. Why is that? And can you speak to your uh, continued contribution to the core? Well, I'd, I'd like to think that I have some people that look to me for mentorship. Uh, and I have, still have a lot of friends in the JAG Corps, not that old yet. Uh, and I really appreciate the way the JAG Corps um, has its Soldier for Life program kind of internal to the branch. They call it the JAG Corps Ambassador Program. And they say, you know, JAG Corps for Life. We give a key to the regimental home, you know, kind of like a key to the city. You're always welcome home. But that symbolic key means a lot. They keep us informed. So we have a JAG Corps ambassador uh, newsletter that comes out to the retirees. The senior leaders, the senior retired leaders um, get together quarterly or semi-annually for updates on what the JAG Corps is doing across the Army. And they just always make it feel like, you know, we have a place even after retirement. You are an Army civilian. What's your favorite part in continuing in the civilian corps? Honestly, the favorite part is the connection I have to the college. So the very first subject matter expert for the communications department was also a 270 Alpha. His name was Carl Rickert, and he passed away shortly after I PCS to the Pentagon. He was a very close friend and a great leader in the organization. Being able to come back and be in the position that he was in means a lot to me personally. But from a professional standpoint, being able to affect change or at least argue for change, making not just the organization better, but I think we really have an opportunity to shape what the, the warrant officer and the warrant officer cohort of the future looks like through what we do at the college. And that is very exciting for me. And things are getting better every single day. I mean, I think we do things well. Obviously, there's always room for improvement in an organization, but we are at a point right now in the college that is just super exciting. And I can't wait for the commandant to unveil uh, what's going on across the Army. You know, you've sent multiple warrant officer candidate applicants my way. Toward that same topic, what would you say to someone thinking about becoming a warrant officer or just starting their career as a brand new warrant officer? For those looking to become a warrant officer, uh, I have to caution them that it is a it is a full career. It is from the day you pin on the black enamel square, as Russ Hauser would say, you're a warrant officer until you retire, uh, generally speaking. And so it must be something that you commit to. It's got to be something that you're willing to commit your the rest of your military career to. And you shouldn't take that lightly. It's not just a bump in pay and it's not just a, a, a promotion, uh, but it is completely different than the enlisted corps or the O-grade officer corps uh, or officer cohort. Maybe be careful what you ask for because it's it's not easy. It shouldn't be easy. And we look for the best and brightest. And you have to have a certain something about you that would make you 
good to be a warrant officer. If you're a new warrant officer, you've gone through the training and you've pinned on that black enamel square, just remember where you came from and also what your purpose is in the Army. I think it's really important to know that we are of service. It's not about ego and it's not about who's better than who. It's about making our organizations better and getting the mission accomplished in service of our commanders and the bigger mission. We should always be looking up and out. Obviously, you encourage joining up with uh, uh, anything that would allow for continued service. So what would you say to a warrant officer considering retirement or leaving service about the value of continuing to serve both community and country post-military? I think you have to do it. I think you owe it to yourself to be members of these organizations uh, that look after your own best interests and have looked after your own best interests as you transition into that civilian sector, you know, either public or, or private. Those organizations that we sometimes tend to shy away from while we are in uniform are extremely beneficial. The Warren Officer Association, the Military Officers Association of America, I think I got that right, AUSA, there's a whole litany of those kind of organizations that really don't get the credit that they deserve for standing on Capitol Hill and beating the drum for very specific legislation that supports veterans. I think our senior leaders do it pretty good, but they don't have the those senior leaders those four, three and four star generals on Capitol Hill do not have the clout that the 1.5 million uh, 1.5 million people of the VFW have, or the 30,000 members of the Warrant Officer Association that fights specifically for warrant officer items or issues, and AUSA for all of the technology uh, that the military needs. These organizations, uh, led by the military coalition, really get it done for the military, all branches, all components. And I think it's important to note that the military coalition, uh, like a coalition of 23 of these organizations is led by a retired warrant officer. It's exciting times, but please don't negate the power of these organizations. And, you know, they all, the chapters, they do great things in the community, you know, roadside cleanup and visiting, you know, seniors and, and senior homes and, and putting out flags and things like that. That's all great local community service, but the community service or the, ser the service to the nation is really uh, where they make their money. And so uh, I think it behooves us all to be a part of that. Is there a favorite piece of leadership advice you would like to share with any of our listeners? This piece of advice is something I really didn't learn until probably I retired. And it's in large part due to the commandants, the current and most previous commandant of the career college, and also the maybe the last two judge advocate generals that I've worked for, and that is read. And I know as a W1, there's not a lot of time to do that, but there is time that you can make. Like when you're driving, listen, listen to a book, learn about your history, uh, learn leadership skills and, and share or learn from experiences of others. I think it's just incredibly valuable because when you learn, you have something to share with others. And I, I really didn't, uh, I didn't learn that until recently. And one other thing is those connections. I, I just can't get over the connections between people. So you interviewing me after you were my boss and you replaced my previous boss, Russ Hauser, who also, you know, you know, started cohort W the connections in this, in this army, <laughs> 
are just amazing things. It's a small army and it's a tight family. It is a small army and it's a very tight family. And I also uh, agree with your point on reading. Another one of my mentors, CW5 retired John Robinson, always made that one of his major points to uh, leave students with. It's uh, stay curious and read. Uh, So I'll ask before I start the uh, closing bit, uh, do you have any uh, books you're currently reading or you would recommend? So Secretary Esper, uh, A Sacred Oath. Ah, Sacred Oath. Yeah, excellent book. Definitely recommend it. Well, Jim, um, I got to tell you, it has been absolutely fantastic to have you as a guest. And I know that uh, Russ will certainly get a kick out of this uh, when he starts to listen. And uh, it's been great to hear that the success of a senior warrant officer does not end when they leave the service. Thank you for your continued service in a uh, civilian capacity. The cohort remains proud of your continued representation of the best qualities of the Army warrant officer. And uh, also, thank you so much for your time and sharing about your phenomenal career. Thank you so much, Mo. I really appreciate this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for all our listeners, for updates on Cohort W and the Warren Officer Historical Foundation, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Simply search for at WOHF1918 or the Warren Officer Historical Foundation. Finally, to learn more about how you can support programs like this, please visit warrantofficerhistory.org. Cohort W.